The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Hi, this is Sarah Riff, and welcome to Having It All in Other Lies, the podcast where I talk to people I admire about letting go of perfection, embracing the chaos, and redefining what success and happiness look like to them. Because ultimately, the only definition that matters is our own. Guys, as she would say herself, this is major. I am thrilled to introduce today's guest, Rachel Zoe. Rachel is a stylist, fashion designer, a television star, a writer, a businesswoman, a mother, and a veritable force who always manages to seem to have it all together, even while teetering on six-inch platforms. She's launched Fashion Darlings with her glamorous styling, content meets commerce with the Zoe Report, and is the actual definition of when style meets substance. Hi, Rachel. I'm so excited to see your beautiful face. Where am I finding you? I'm in a secret room off my bedroom because Roger is monopolizing the home office, my kids are monopolizing three different rooms for homeschool right? and now doing a science project downstairs. So I am hiding and hoping that we can have a conversation before they locate me. Well, <laughs> isn't it funny how versatile our homes have become, right? Like it's like you have the science center downstairs. Homeroom yes. is now in the kitchen. Yes. Yes. You have your home office that's trying to facilitate everybody's needs. And it's yeah. just like a total puzzle yeah. piece of trying to be productive. And when you're co-CEOs of the same business, let me tell you how challenging that is. You're co-CEOs of the same business and co-CEOs of the same family. Correct. We are literally co-CEOs of all aspects of our life. There are definitely moments where I am more CEO and he's more whatever is just below and vice versa. But I would say I'm CEO of our children. Oh my God. How is your headspace, Rach, right now? Like, how are you doing with everything? I know you're homeschooling the boys. So homeschooling last spring before I was armed for homeschooling was the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. And I have done a lot of things in my life and many of them challenging. And I would say that being a teacher to my children while leading the company and being full-on mom was really by far and away the hardest challenge of my entire existence. But I would say now I have been armed with an incredible teacher that we have working with both the boys so that I can actually work from eight to two has been monumentally life-changing, but nonetheless still very immersed in it. But I would say that has been a game changer so that I can actually work in big blocks of time. So that's incredible. Right. And having someone who's designated to do the homeschool stuff rather than you trying to multitask and do everything simultaneously. Yes. And I would say that like, it just feels very unnatural to me to play the role of an educator with my children. And I think that I'm someone who really doesn't fight with my boys and having that point of contention constantly just, I think, created such problems everywhere else, you know, but I will say that the silver lining of all this has been being able to really observe and see how my children learn differently and and are academically and really getting so close to that has been incredible. So homeschooling, I will say the kids are really loving it so much. And I would say progressing in a really incredible way that I know I certainly could have never done. So my headspace, I would say overall, while very positive, because thank goodness, like our, our work is good. But and, and very grateful for that. But I think my headspace is very positive and grateful, but in in all honesty, never more emotionally and physically drained and exhausted. You know, I'm sure you've heard that across the board, but I would say that I think I woke up this weekend and it felt like a bus hit me while I was sleeping and I hadn't even had a glass of wine. And I was like, I literally was like, babe, I'm tired in a way I don't know that I've ever been tired. You know, it's like a blanket tiredness. It's like a yeah, you know, but, but it's okay. You know, it's, it's okay. I think it's just 24 seven for six and a half months. I think every working parent or just parent or non-parent, I think it's just an overwhelming feeling of being a human rope in a tug of war. hundred percent. Yeah. It's also, it's that we've been running on adrenaline for so long. Yes. And like you said, it is 24 seven, because by the time that you are taking into account all of your 
work needs, your business needs, your home needs, your children's needs. You're trying to disseminate some of the information that's coming in about what's going on with the election. It's just like, there's so much yes. all the time. Yes. I, I actually escaped last week with Ian and we got my mom to watch my kids and we went oh. away for a few days and it was what? meant to be heaven and relaxing. So I'll drop my kids at your house then? You absolutely can. But let me tell you, and I, this is a cautionary tale, is I was so excited to have this time. And I think like you said, I think that when I finally distanced myself physically from my kids and felt like I had taken a few days to myself, I think my body just gave out and I was in bed for like three days straight on this like little getaway. So it was not, it was a little less exciting. I'm pretty sure the same would happen. It's, it's similar to when I was styling and I would work like, I'm not exaggerating, like 300 days straight. And then like the Oscars would end and Roger would always like, we'd always go to like Cabo or something for three days, four days. And literally the joke was, I literally became narcoleptic. I couldn't stop sleeping. My body just was like, nope, done. So very similar thing where I think your body somehow just knows psychologically, like I have a breather for a second and just like, it's like, peace out. That's it. Right. I think one one of the blessings also, I know you said, you know, as far as seeing the boys and, and you get to be present for a little bit more of some of the school and seeing how they're responding to learnings and, and yep. watching that progression, which is super cool, is that we're learning how adaptive we all are, you know, in the ways yes. that we're able to pivot the way that we work, the way that we live, the way that we socialize, the way we engage with other people. But for you, what do you miss most right now? What would you, you know, first thing back is there something that you would want to do or do you think that you've kind of readjusted? You know, it's super interesting. I think as women, we don't know how strong we are until we have to be that strong. And I think we are pushed, I don't want to say to our limits because I think we don't really have limits, but I, I think on some level, there's a point where you just break. But the irony of me is I'm weirdly this kind of introvert. Which is so hard to believe. I know. I know. And I totally understand that. I'm this weird dichotomy because I think I've built my career somewhat on being an extrovert. And I think that I can be, you know, I think in social settings, I am 100% comfortable. We've got a visitor. Hi, Sunny. Mommy's on a call. Oh my God, you really are bleeding. Why are you bleeding? What happened? Sorry. Okay, you scraped yourself. We're taking a bleed break. I'm sorry. We're taking a bleed. No, take your time. Can, water. What, baby? Water slows down my blood flow, so, so it'll stop me. I think that sounds really scientific what? to me. Water does slow down the blood flow. <laughs> Here's some water. No, I want fresh water. This is fresh, cold fresh water. Fresh water, Rachel. What kind of mother are you? Fresh, cold water. How long do we make it? 10 minutes? Not even, but that's the beauty. You're having it all right now. <laughs> Can you go um, finish your science experiment, love bug? Mm-hmm. Come on, honey, please. What, what is aluminum? Aluminum? You tell me what is aluminum. Silver. Silver plastic, kind of. <laughs> I don't know why you're tired, Rachel. It sounds I like did. you have a lot of free time over there. It's okay. Thank you, baby. I love you. Give me a kiss. Kai, Kai, mommy needs privacy, okay? That's what it is. It's There's not a second of the day that is not consumed by somebody either bleeding, asking you what aluminum is, calling you for a Zoom. Yes, it's true. Needing something from you. It's true. And the, the truth is what's so interesting, I don't know what time your children go to bed, but my, their bedtime has gone to 1030, 10, 1030. And so my, I call my mother every night. Yes. New York time, her time, 2am, but my time, which used to begin around 830 now begins around 1030, 11. So then I go to bed at like one or two, and then we start again. So I think it's crazy. I mean, I will say having a teacher means they call my name like 10, 12 times a day instead of a hundred. So I, I'll take it. But I would say that the struggle's real. I think the thing that I don't miss, leaving my kids because I had kids later. I did so much before I had my kids. I was out every night. I was at work events every day. Every, I was working 24-7 for straight 15 years. And so the thing that's harder pre-COVID was that, you know, a lot of what I do is events and work dinners and things like that. And you know, once in a while, it's fine. But I think even if I declined 90%, it still felt like so much all the time. And then plus you add like work days and shoot days and things like that. And like, so everything that took me away from my kids was hard for me. 
whatever it was. It was, I've never been the mom since I've had children that are like, oh my God, I can't wait to get away from it. You know, I can't wait for that girl's weekend. I can't wait for um, a spa day. I can't, I'm just not that girl. And it doesn't make me a martyr. I'm not saying I'm a better mom. I just, for me, being with my kids is such a first choice. So the reality of it is anytime I had to like sit in hair makeup for two hours and leave them and miss bedtime and miss bath time and miss reading time and miss all that was emotionally very hard. So I will say that in COVID, obviously, I have literally tucked them in for six and a half months every single night and not left them. Now, do I think that's healthy necessarily for me or them? Probably not because you do need some separation. But I think at the end of the day, what I do miss, and you're there for many of them, is the smaller things. I miss going to friends' houses for fun dinners. I miss like Jen Meyer having a backyard thing where we all just hang out and drink wine and for someone's whatever. Like I miss actually the birthdays and the the more like the non-event events, the non-event events. And not to say I'm not grateful for the events because the events are so fun. And, you know, you and I have had many a good time at, you know, dancing on a table once in a while and having fun. And, and that's all good. It's just, I think sometimes it feels so good to not have to do the thing. Right. Well, it's so funny too, in talking about the kind of the duality of your personality and then yes. also your persona Yes. It's like, I don't know if you've taken that. I think it's the Enneagram test or whatever it is, but you may be someone who is great and super adept at engaging with a lot of people. And you have this incredible warm personality that draws people to you. But at the same time, you need rest from that and you need yes. to replenish with quiet time and with family time. Yes. And if you, if you asked Roger, Sarah, if you asked him if I was an extrovert or introvert, he'd say introvert. Right. He would say she'd rather be home. I, I am a homebody people for as long as I know, I've always asked me like, what's the thing people don't know about you? And because I think people think of me as being like, just glammed up and out at like a gajillion events. But you're right? glammed up and in. <laughs> you are the most glam person I know. And it is not, it is not put on. It is just preternatural. You actually are as glamorous as people think you are, Aww. but you yeah. also have so much substance and such realness that I think is such an added treasure to all of the other glitz. Thank you very much. Of my, course. No, it's from my mother, I will say. My mother is someone who also in COVID sits home in full makeup with full jewelry on. She just does to like sit there and maybe do bridge on Zoom or again, I mean, I think to your exact point, I think I've always had to be on and so much in so many places for such a long time. My, my life from the day after college until now. Right. And I think sometimes I just need to be off from that. Right. Do you think as far as, you know, we talk about designing a life and what you envisioned having it all would look like to you. Did you have a notion for that growing up? Do you know what's so funny? No. It's really weird. And I think this is another like maybe unexpected thing about me because it, it is something that people always go, well, how did you get here? Or like, was this the plan or, whatever. you know, or whatever. Caius. You know, it's good. It's like a peanut gallery. Caius, you can play, but you have to be quiet. Okay. I think Rachel's We're not pretending that you're a woman without children. Oh, Jesus. Who could do that? But the truth is I really didn't know what I was going to be. And I was a psychology, sociology major. And I fell into fashion right after college as a fashion assistant, not even knowing what it actually meant, that job. And my passion for it is really what led me to the next thing and the next thing combined with, you know, it's funny, if you ask Roger, everyone always goes, well, what separates you? I'm like, I don't know, my love for the job. And Roger's answer is always like, she worked harder than everyone else. You know, it's sort of like, I never treated my work as work. I treated my work as like my life, if that makes sense. I never really projected. I run my entire life on my instinct and my gut. I really didn't plan it. My plan, my intention, once I started as a stylist was to just be the absolute best stylist I could. I just wanted to be great at it. I really did. And I was obsessed with it. And I lived for every second of it, no matter how hard, no matter how many tears, no matter how many challenges, it was my whole being. 
and I missed everything that mattered in life, like every birthday, every baby shower, every wedding, every everything, because I was on a plane and I was this and that. And I think what happened was step by step by step by step and thing by thing, it really just happened. And I I did always want the next thing and I did always want to be better. And I was never, ever, ever someone who stopped and said, look what you accomplished. I don't now. And people will point it out and I'm like, yeah. And then I'm like, okay, but I still have so much left to do. And it's now as I get older that I'm like, God, remember that moment when I was in Monaco with Britney Spears or Enrique, you know, and you think about those like surreal moments, you know, when, remember when you dressed Dan Hathaway for the Oscars, nine months pregnant, like, yes, there were these very surreal things that have happened in my life, but I really have always governed myself in the moment of what felt right in that moment. And everything that I said I would never do, I've done. Oh my God. Like what? I said in no life would I ever be on TV. I said, I would never write a book because I don't have time to even read books. So I couldn't even tell you. And now I'm ready to write my third book. You know what I mean? So pretty much everything, I didn't ever think I would have like a team beyond like an assistant or two in my styling life. I never thought that I would have like a hundred employees or multiple businesses. I never, I then made my dad a promise that I would never say never again, because it's like what I said to you during our friend's wedding. You were like, are you going to get up and sing? I was like, God, no, I would never karaoke. It's my greatest life fear. Hot too. <laughs> um, so I do still stand by that. I would I will never karaoke. But now that I say that, you know, there may right. be. An- so that's the only thing we might be able to hold you accountable to is, is no karaoke. It's unlikely that Rachel will drop a single. Okay. Did you have somebody's career that you wanted to mimic? Was there anyone's life that, because you grew up where? On the East Coast? Yeah, I was in the East, I was on the East Coast and growing up in fashion, I mean, I worshiped Grace Coddington and Karen Wrightfield, but I wouldn't say that I wanted to mimic their career necessarily because it's more that I, I have icons in different things. So Oprah, like the Holy Grail of- Bow down. Like I just bow, like shrine to her, right? And that was someone through from the minute I could watch her. I fell in every word she said. And then there was the Karine Wrightfield for her French. Je ne sais quoi. Exactly. And then the Grace Coddington for the fact that she was the most incredible stylist, sittings editor of all time, you know? So it was like, understanding, oh, I want to do that. I want it because I would look at the pages of Vogue and be like, who who made these? Who did this? You know? So there were different things, but then there was Elsa Clinch was someone on CNN who did this show called CNN Style. And I worshiped her and I wanted to be her because I was obsessed with the fact that she got to be in the minds of the most brilliant designers in the world. And she would interview them on Saturday mornings and she would sit by a fireplace with like John Galliano or Karl Lagerfeld. And I was like, <gasps> I want to be her, but I wanted to be her because I wanted to talk to them, you know? Right. Which so, you, which you did. <laughs> which, it, which was the intention mm-hmm. behind the Rachel Zoe project, which obviously turned into <laughs> something different. Right. So question about the Rachel Zoe project. How long were you styling before that show started? I think I started in 95. So a good, a good 10 years. So you were kind of in this transitional period too, because right now, you know, with Instagram, it's a different, like styling back in the day was much more behind the scenes. It was only behind the scenes. Only behind the scenes. So what we see in the forefront now and the access that we have, even as people who are not in the fashion industry is so much different than how it was for you coming up. When they came to you with the idea for the Rachel Zoe project, what was that transition like from going from a essentially behind the scenes role into being thrust into the spotlight yourself? It was very surreal because, you know, my intention was to speak to designers and get into their minds and sort of reveal a little bit of their genius or a lot of bit of their genius and the process of being a designer and behind the scenes in the fashion world and make people kind of demystify a little bit of the brilliance behind, because I would sit there at couture shows, like, you know, that scene in Sarah Jessica, you know, in, in Sex and the City when Sarah Jessica Parker's like at the fashion show and where yes. she's in Paris and she's just like, that was me. A thousand billion percent, that was me. 
they were my celebrities. Karl Lagerfeld, if they said, who do you want to meet most in the world? It was Karl Lagerfeld. It was John Galliano. It was Mr. Valentino. It was, you know, I'll never forget it. I mean, it was like for a young actor, probably meeting, you know, Al Pacino or Martin Scorsese or Scorsese. For me, that's what it was. So when they came to me with that, it was a friend of mine, a guy named Charlie Corwin with Jamie Patrickoff. Mm -hmm. And we talked about it. And, you know, ultimately one thing led to another. Roger and I were like, what do I really have to lose, you know, uh, in a way, because I really wanted to educate people about fashion in the industry. And ultimately, you know, when it gets into the hands of various producers and networks and things like that, it basically means it becomes something else. And of course, you know, when I look back at it, Sarah, it's funny, you know, when I was in it, it was the most exhausting thing I've ever done, you know, besides motherhood. But I would say that it wasn't just my job. That was a thing. I had a 24 seven full-time job. And then I was executive producing the show. And I had so much to protect in that show with, you know, photographers, designers, celebrities, all the people that were on the show. So it was an emotionally, physically taxing show. It took us nine months to film. It was really a lot. So ultimately when we finished, what was amazing was what an incredible impact it had on so many people. And I'm so happy about that. And I look back on it with a lot of different feelings. And, you know, I'm working on something now that will be back in the TV world, but different. But I love that so many people loved it. I love that it meant so much to people. I love that still today, it's 90% of what I see on my social is bring the show back kind of thing, you know? Or Zoisms. Yeah. And I just, I love that people got an escape. I love that people learned. I love that people identified with something about the show. But I think the reality of it is, no pun intended, it was a hard time, but it was, I think in retrospect, it was pretty awesome, you know? So what was the reception from the fashion community to doing that show? Because like we said, this was like a world that was really behind the scenes and they had not yet started to get hip to the idea of exposure or being more egalitarian that way. It was really for the chosen few. So to do that on a network like Bravo, knowing that you are not in a hundred percent of control of the way that everything is going to be presented. What was that like for you? Was that scary? It was terrifying. It was, (laughs) you've known me long enough to know my least favorite thing to do, top five, probably least favorite things to do is to ask people for anything. I don't ask, you know, people always say, if you ask our girls, like they'll say, I'm probably the lowest maintenance friend. I don't ask people to do things. I hate it. It's just something I'm not comfortable with. Which is funny because obviously I'm sure you're a person of whom a lot is asked. Yes. (laughs) I know. That's always the funny thing. It's like, Roger's always like, I'm so confused why you have such an issue asking people. Like, no one has an issue asking you for anything. Right. I'm like, I think it's just, I don't know. I've been this way my entire life. But then you're going to these people that you've built relationships with that are so tenuous. And you're like, will you appear on this show? I'd be a terrible publicist because, I, yeah, I just would. But the reality of it is, is that it was brutal. It was so hard to ask. And what's funny is that there were surprisingly people that were so, they just got it really fast. You know what I mean? Like Kate Hudson was like, babe, that sounds fun. I will say from the first season to the last season, it was like an entirely different world. Of course. Because the first season, you know, everyone was so like, God, what is she thinking? But the second season they were like, huh? And then by the third season, it was like, I want to be a part of that. Please cover my show. Please, can you come to the showroom? Because, you know, obviously it was great PR. And I think, you know, the constant thing is like, talk about ROI. Like, you know, we were- Great exposure. Yeah. Yeah, it was great exposure for, for young designers that, you know, maybe were more unknown. And it was great in that sense. And then by the final season, I mean, everyone wanted to be a part of it. They were kind of- asking us in a way like, Hey, if you're coming to fashion week, we'd love for you, you know? So it it definitely became easier. I would say if I was doing it today, it's, it's almost like the tables are turned a little, like it's, 
Well, also your profile today is obviously that much bigger. You were building yeah. your profile during that time and having this international exposure for something, like you said, that had been sort of, you know, behind the scenes and in the know. It's weird, Sarah, because it's like, you know me, it's sort of like, I'm still, and everyone makes fun of me. I'm still just weirdly so much more comfortable behind. And I think it's because my intention was not to be an actor or a singer, you know, I think with that, you know, that that job is in front. And I think with the intention and obsession with being a stylist, being behind is, is just so comfortable, but I love people. So I think for me, when I, when I go into that role, I pretend the camera's not there. It's, it's literally not there, you know, and we just filmed um, that show, the home edit that's out now. Oh, obsessed. I will be very honest with you. I have not seen it and I have not seen my episode. I just one for lack of time and two, because I can't watch myself. But when they were filming, everyone's like, you're like a one take kind of, I was like, well, you're like a soundbite queen. <laughs> it's more just like, you just have to kind of pretend it's not there, you know, and that's just works for me, you know, because I think once you're aware of it, you're not your true self. And then everyone can see that. Was that weird though? Because it wasn't just, you know, like the woman that you were referencing on CNN, where you're sitting down with right. designers and interviewing them. You opened up your personal life to this show as well. So all of a sudden they're in your home present for all these intimate moments. Obviously, you know, you could have these conversations off camera, but this was a time where you and uh, Roger were deciding whether or not to have a child. And these yep. were all really personal things. And that must be so weird for someone dubbing themselves an introvert to, you know, to have that exposed to people. <laughs> yes, it was extremely invasive. That's why I always say like the Kardashians, I mean, they are my heroes. It's like, I don't think anyone really understands what's involved. You know, it's like the fact that that family, I mean, I think they're so close, which is the beautiful thing about them. So I think for them being to being able to really be together and just be their real hundred percent selves and share that with the world, it's a real gift. And it is a lot of work and there's so much that people don't see. And I would say that for me, not being such a openly candid all the time, you know, there was a big struggle for me there. And that's why, like, ultimately we had to just sort of stop and, and pause and, and move on. And it took a while for me to kind of think about going back, you know, in, in some form. And I think, you know, again, I think sorting out what that form is, is challenging because, you know, I don't know that you can do, everyone wants my old show back. Right. But the Rachel Zoe project, if I were doing that now, it's a very different show. Of course. Life is very different. And, you know, it's so funny. Everyone keeps saying, oh my God, why don't you just film your guys in quarantine? Which would be kind of amazing. That would have been a reality show. <laughs> That's a reality show on its own. You know, no, it's like you said, the, the time has changed. The culture has changed. You and your professional endeavors have changed a lot from that time. So it's fun talking to you about this because one of the things, obviously that we love to explore. It's like the notion of what things look like on the outside versus how they feel on the inside. And sure. something that really resonated with me about the show, and this was before we were friends, there was a moment and you were recording. I want to say you were in New York. It was probably fashion week. I don't know if you were showing for your own show or you were attending, you were having your makeup done. Things were super hectic and everything was overwhelmed and you were crying. I feel like you were like, I'm on the verge of this like breakdown. And yes. Diane von Furstenberg just told me you are the woman you always wanted to be. Yes. And I remember this very, way, I just got chills. <laughs> this always stood out to me. Number one, because we were not yet friends and you know, I would watch the show and Ian had walked in during that scene. So anytime I would get upset later, you know, for anything, he would always try and cheer me up by saying, well, Diane von Furstenberg has said you are the woman you always wanted to be. <laughs> but mostly because it was like that duality of you were hitting all of these peaks that you had wanted to, but at the same time, it felt like all this was crumbling. And I thought it was refreshing to see that and see someone yeah. be candid about that too, about, you know, like you said, you, you had this career, but you were giving up a lot. You were missing a lot to do that and to reach that point. And I think it's important for people to remember how much sacrifice goes into everything. And I wonder, do you feel that today? Like, do you feel like you are the woman that you wanted to be? And do you still feel overwhelmed with it all as well? I think if I put it on paper, 
I've probably surpassed what I ever thought I would be. I had so much uncertainty about myself and what I would do and what I could be. And I think because I hadn't been someone, nor am I today, someone who forecasts, projects, models out my life. It's something when I, when I speak to young people, the biggest piece of advice I give them is to not try and architect, like don't try to map out your life to a point where there's no freedom. Things almost never work out exactly the way you plan. So for me, I think it really sets you up for really dis- like a lot of disappointment and failure that wasn't even failure, but because it didn't meet what you thought it was going to be, right? you just set yourself up for disappointment. And so on some level, yes, I am because it's the funniest thing because I'm just such a baby child person. I have two and I wish I had six, but yet I couldn't wrap my head around how I was going to have a child, let alone two and fit that into the insanity of my life. And that's why when I say we don't really realize what we're made of till we see what we're made of, (laughs) right? I am the woman that I wanted to be, but I don't know that I knew the woman I wanted to be. Does that make sense? Yes. And I think that I would say children, motherhood out of everything in my life is my calling. It's the thing that fulfills me in a way I didn't know I could be fulfilled. And I think that from a career standpoint, there will be a day where I break it down, what I've done and where I've come, where I've been and like, da, da, da. But I think right now, because I feel like I have so much left to do, I feel like, I don't know, I'm not there yet. Do you think, will you ever be there? Like, well, that's a thing. You know, one of my greatest heroes, Tom Ford, you know, and I, when we, when we first met and we're both Virgos and, you know, we both kind of said, do you feel like you're just never there? Like you're never where you want to be. And you're always kind of like, okay, you just finished this. Now let's do the next, but we have to do it better. You know? So there is that kind of blessing and curse mentality that I definitely do have. So the answer is, I don't know the answer yet. And there might be that day. And when that day should come, it would be awesome if I could kind of sit down and say, okay, I'm good. Right. Although it sounds like instinctively, you know about the fulfillment that you're getting from having a family and from having your kids. And obviously your work enriches you in such ways too, but it sounds like what has resonated with your purpose most has been being a mother to your boys. 1,000 billion percent. I want to give a special thanks to our partner, Monkey 47 Gin the gin with an international cult following among bartenders and connoisseurs alike. It took one of the most in-demand brands in the world's top cocktail bars to finally give Rosé the day off it deserved at my house. Monkey 47 is known for its unique and eccentric recipe using, you guessed it, 47 botanicals, more than any other gin. My go-to drink recently has been a Negroni, and Monkey 47's notes of lavender, grapefruit, lemon and mint bring me that much closer to my destiny of sipping them along the Italian coast rather than in my own backyard wearing my sweatpants. We are so excited to partner with Monkey 47 for a fresh take on our favorite cocktails. Please drink responsibly and now back to having it all in other lives. So as far as goal setting and we talk to people, whether it's like more fluid and it sounds like obviously you're not super structured, but how do you aim the the ship where you want to go? Is it just following instinct or do you think that you have models for what that looks like or? Well, I would say that that is the blessing of having my co-CEO as Roger, because we really do navigate the ship together through the water. You know, he has creative on some level in terms of like thinking, ide- ideating and things like that. But I think in terms of dreaming and executing on the dreams, that's where our skill set really meet. And compliment. You know, I, I think in that sense, I, he is much more pragmatic than me, especially in business. And so I think that really helps to keep everything kind of going the way it needs to go. And then doing the things that are just, just feel right to me, like creative directing and collaborating and 
you know, working with other brands and partnering and all those types of things, you know, because ultimately I just like to be creative. I just need to create and continue on the mission to empower women to live and be their best selves, you know, and, and live their best, most glamorous lives. And glamorous doesn't mean ball gowns. It just means like whatever that is for you. It could be workout clothes. It doesn't matter, but it's just how to have the output that's fulfilling your insides, you know, and it's just kind of living your best life and, and how to do that, you know, and I obviously want to help in as many women as possible, which is, you know, why we launched Carator and, you know, that's really the, the whole purpose behind my whole brand. How can I help more women? How can we build your confidence so that you put your best selves out there? Right. And I love that, you know, the, the sort of societal notion of having it all. And I think that yes. we got to see you really going through that during the, I, I'm not sure which season it was of Rachel Zoe Project, but where you say it's like, you have this incredibly fast paced life. How can I fit that into this crazy insanity and this schedule? Do you think that the notion of having it all exists? I do, but not at the same time necessarily, if that makes sense. Despite how people see it, it is very hard to succeed at the same time being a hundred percent present mother and a hundred percent present CEO and a hundred percent present wife, not to mention daughter, sister, and all of that. Do I have incredible relationships with all of those people? Yes. Am I a good CEO? Yes. Okay. But like having it all at all times, it's really challenging. I also think it depends on your expectations of what having it all is. And I do think that if I took a step back, it's the first thing people say to me, you have it all. How do you do it? And I'm like, huh? Right. <laughs> I mean, I just think you have to kind of rethink what having it all means. I think having it all in the absolute ideal of perfection that's a challenge. One of the things that I respect about you so much, though, is that you don't bifurcate your sort of your family and then career, because essentially your whole identity also is it's a lifestyle and yours is so authentic to you where you don't have to be one person during business hours and one person on the weekends. And I think yeah. a lot of women fall victim to diminishing some of their other responsibilities in an effort to make sure that they know that their head is in the game and that their first and foremost priority will be doing whatever it is to pursue their business. And I think what's so cool about what you do is that it's all holistic. And I yes. remember you saying too, that in the beginning, when you were getting invited to a lot of things, when everyone's like, oh, it's just a single invite, no plus one. And you were like, I'm bringing my husband. Like, this is the only free time we have. Yes. And if I'm going to come to this event... And I want to also have a healthy relationship. I am bringing him with me. We roll together. We do. And, you know, it's funny. I used to judge people in the fashion world by how they treated Roger. And I could name it to this day, the people that weren't just fashion friends. You know what I mean? They weren't just surface. They cared deeply about him. It wasn't because of who I was or who I am or what they could get from me. It was they... It got to a point where I couldn't go anywhere and people were like, where's Roger? Where's Roger? I was like, oh, so it's like that now. Maybe rethink that plus one. Yeah. And I think, you know, pending that it's not an all girls event, I bring him everywhere. I'm happier when he's there. Really, there was no separation. And to your point, I am who I am. It's like, I always say for better, for worse, like this is me, right? It's like, you've seen me in the morning, you've seen me at night, you've seen me on weekends, you see me on Zoom. Like Always I looking that. annoyingly pulled together, I will say. Oh, stop. Rachel actually told me that she sleep. What, what, what was it like that you preserve face somehow by like, <laughs> she like barely sleeps with her like, like sitting up. I mean, like. <laughs> This is a person who could like actually go out and have fun and is, is not like sitting in a corner, like is drinking with the rest of us, having a great time and still looking annoyingly perfect the next no. morning. No, it's true. Just no, own it. I, no, the truth is I don't sleep hard and I don't sleep face down. I don't sleep hard, Rachel. So it has served me in the, in the eye makeup situation, which I would not really want to admit talking to a beauty expert, but like, 
there are many times I sleep with my eye makeup on just because I don't want to take it off and reapply it in the morning. And what's the you point? Know. Yeah. Well, listen, it works. Do not change a thing. It's working right. for you. Do you think Rachel, like, you know, talking about being a working mom and wearing many different hats, do you think the last six months will make you feel in any way less guilt, assuming that we return to how things were before? And not only do I anticipate that it'll cut, it'll really trim the fat of like, I don't need to go to the opening of a paper bag, but also knowing that you've been 24 seven with your kids for six and a half months. Will it give you, I think, maybe a little bit less guilt about having time away post? I'm I'm hoping that it does. And I'm hoping that, you know, something interesting happened over the weekend because, you know, it's the Jewish holidays and we went to a friend's house and I really haven't gone anywhere. We really haven't been with any particular groups of people. And, you know, Skylar was like, mom, I'm so tired. And he never says that. He just hadn't, got, you know, been going to sleep. And he goes to me, I go, honey, why don't you tell me we could have left earlier? Cause it was like nine or something. And he goes, you know, mom, you looked like you were having a really good time. Oh. And I literally was like, what? I was like, it was, he's like, you just look like you were talking to your friends and you were laughing and you were having fun. So I didn't want to make you leave. And I was like, it like shook me to my heart in a way that I was like, it was the first time that instead of them saying like, mom, stay home with me or don't leave me or whatever. He was sort of like, I haven't seen you kind of like interact with your girlfriend. You know, it was like, it was something where I I was a very out of body experience, you know? And I think that what was nice was I think Skylar's at an age, you know, he's nine and he has such empathy. And I think he's at an age where it's not just about him. And he's sort of like, wait, my mom might need to like go out and see friends and have fun. And I believe that with my kids getting a bit older, I think it does become a little bit easier. So I, I think there's going to be a, a bit of a detachment phase that happens when life restores. But I am craving like just to hang with my girls and a glass of wine. That that would make me really happy. And I think being able to do that without feeling, you know, like you've done something that is potentially putting yourself or your family at risk. Yes. Like yes. even if you're adhering to all the guidelines, I think it's like, Staying in, at least you feel we're good. We're, you know, we should be in the clear here. And yep. any exposure, you know, you just really have to look at what is worth it and what's not because you just don't exactly. want to have that question. Thousand percent. You have had so many successes from writing a book to having the show to having a huge career to designing your own line to, you know, being a fashion personality to becoming a household name. What do you think is left for you that you feel like you want to accomplish? I think this next chapter of my life now with launching Curator and ultimately you'll learn more about, but it's basically turning from box of style and keeping our quarterly curation subscription into a women's lifestyle membership program. I'm going so all in on this because it's such an incredible journey with a growing community of so many women. And I just love, I love that community. And I love engaging with women and I love learning more about them and I love styling them, so to speak. And I love a new venture and I'm also investing in a lot of companies and I love that. I'm an advisor at a lot of companies and I love that. So I think for me, I would like to keep growing the entrepreneurial side because I love it. My philanthropic side is my favorite of all. And just, again, not to sound like any kind of martyr or anything, but it's like being in the board of baby to baby or ambassador, save the children, working with BCRF, working with St. Jude's. This is like some of my greatest passion, honestly, because I think when you are in a position where you can help, whether it's with your time, whether it's financial, whether it's your marketing, whatever it is, I think being able to do that you have to use it and you have to use it for the greater good as much as you can, in my opinion. So there's so many things I'd like to continue to just grow and nurture and build. And then I think just continuing to build an amazing life for my family and be with my family. And honestly, like my parents and my, you know, when was the last time you saw your parents, by the way? Uh so devastated because they're they're still they're in New York um January oh. uh, January like January like around New Year's right after the wedding 
I right. saw them for like three days and that was the last time. So hard. It's so hard. It's killing me. And, you know, my sister is someone I'm insanely close with and I haven't seen her since the same, which is just crazy. So I think for those people that can have their family close to them and can be with them, they may be driving you insane, but try and hold on to every second because you're so lucky you have no idea. Right. Rachel, talking about using your platform with purpose and with style like you do, do you find that because we live in a very comparative time, are you able to kind of stay in your own lane as far as looking, you know, and using it for a tool? Or do you also find that it's hard not to fall into the sort of comparison game sometimes? I really do. My Instagram is my baby. That is my words, my, my views, my everything. And it is very personal to me. And is it part of business partnerships and things like that? Yes, of course. But I would say 90% of the time I'm giving you a look into what's going on right now. Or I do find that my Instagram more than anything is really a reflection of what I'm feeling in that moment. So like, I don't care if it's throwback Thursday or flashback Friday, if I'm aching for a time, you know, when my kids were two, I'm just going to post that picture because it's killing me. I'm missing it, you know, or whatever. And I, I feel like social media has to be an extension of the person. And I think once it starts to appear like a tool, I think your community knows that I'm very candid. And, and, you know, I think for trolls and haters, I started lashing back. I don't care. Is that something that you deal with a lot as trolls and haters? You know, someone said something the other day, I posted like a family picture on the Jewish holiday and someone said, uh, cute, but I think it's time for you to stop dressing your kids the same. And I literally go, I think it's time for you to stop telling me how to dress my kids and it's time for you to unfollow me. Thanks though. I was like, because you can just let it go. You totally can. I mean, people just, I could just let it go, but I'm like, do me a favor. Don't follow me. If you know, because I think social media is of all things, something that you can, you have full control who you want to follow. So if you're going to hate just because you're a hater, you're not welcome in my community. I don't, I don't want hate in this community. So unfollow me or I'm just going to boot you out. But what about in terms of, you know, in terms of presentation, and I think you do a great job at obviously sharing your personal life, you know, we're all living in such filtered times, you know, how do you balance that authenticity with that, with also presenting the image that you want to? You know, I think there's moments where I'm more vulnerable on my social. I think during um, when quarantine started, I was real vulnerable. I was like, no makeup, wet hair, drinking wine with them, being like, tell me your thoughts right now. And people really did. And I really love that. And I think that since life became so even so much busier now, like with work, it's just like, it's like all of a sudden it's dinner time and I don't know what's happened. And then I'm like, wow, I haven't even posted today. You know, I try to really not filter too much. I really do. Um, my text is straight from my self my pictures, I really don't tweak too much, really almost ever, because I maybe I'll throw like a, I do like to shoot things in like the IG story filters because you just look Because prettier. why not, you know? Why not? <laughs> I mean, who, who doesn't like, want a listen, little- Listen, 2020 is hard enough. By the way, like who doesn't want a little glow filter? Yeah. Like, sure. Not this you girl. Know, let, let's look like that for five minutes. But like, you know, but in reality, I, I show myself 90% of the time. I, I hear that. Rachel, being where you sit today, and obviously we live, we're all in a precarious time with 2020 and COVID, but sitting where you are today, what does having it all look like to you now? First and foremost, the health of my family and my friends, because I think even pre-COVID, I've always really understood the meaning of health. Having, you know, a mother and a sister went through breast cancer and countless people close to us going through various different illnesses. And then happiness, a successful business, a really safe, creative, warm place to call home. I know that sounds really like sappy, but I think because at my soul, it's sort of the core of who I am, despite all the like gold and shine and glitz is like really just happiness, health, love, and all the rest of it. I mean, that's the journey, right? Because without that, you really have nothing. So you know, the rest is icing, like money and homes and being in beautiful places. That's all the bonus, right? Right. But the rest is 
is the foundation. A hundred percent. All right. So something fun that we're rounding up the show with is called the riff and it could be a service, a practice, a product. Is there something that you do on the daily that you find makes your life better, easier, more efficient? Dare I say Postmates? <laughs> you, yes, Postmates. That's a lifesaver dare, dare right I, now. Dare I say Amazon Prime, Postmates, and Instacart, saving life on a daily. At the touch of a button? Yeah, 100%. I would say has been a time saver that I couldn't pay enough for because that time that it took to kind of do those things was crazy. And I think in the physical sense... Oh my God. And are you still working out? I remember you were, you listen, were... it's already, it's already gone out the window. Okay. So okay. It was short lived. The extent that we'll get of that is in a deep stressful moment. I will literally just plank or tree pose extensively. <laughs> okay. But I saw there was like some brisk walks, right? You were on a treadmill at one point. Yes. The walk is nice, but in the smoke of the last couple of weeks no. that went out the window, hopefully this weekend we can resume walking. But I would say in inside doing a good plank, doing a, a long tree pose is is real nice. Or just sitting in a bathrobe under a fuzzy blanket with my kids is like, that's the way I end each day, inevitably. It sounds like heaven. For anyone who does not follow you, although I can't imagine that they don't, where can we find you? At Rachel Zoe, at Curator, or at Shop Rachel Zoe. So is Curator taking over Box of Style? Sure is. I'm sure so did. excited. We like to say formerly known as. Okay. Yes. Formerly um, known. It is so beyond the box. It's so much more. It's, it's really exciting. I'm so excited to see more. Rachel, thank you so much for taking the time. I know all these days are hectic, so I appreciate you. I love you. I'm happy to talk to you. Lots of love. Bye, sweet. Thank you. That's it for today's episode of Having It All and Other Lies. I've been having so much fun talking to and learning from all these amazing women, and I hope you're enjoying it too. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate and review, and also follow along at Having It All Podcast and swing on over to my page at Sarah underscore Riff. I love hearing from you guys, so please keep up the DMs and emails. And if there's anyone that you want to hear from, let us know. In the meantime, we will look forward to seeing you next week.